If you have to go, you're welcome to do so. For the second night in a row, I will be teaching something I have never, ever taught before like this. Okay? Uh, from scriptures that we uh, used a little bit last night, Galatians chapter uh, 5, beginning with verse 16. I'm going to read to the end of this uh, chapter. Galatians 5, beginning with verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For, for this cause, for this reason, on this account, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things, and that is to do these things habitually, means you've given yourself over to do these things and you've stopped repenting. That they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit. You can't do any of these things in this list. You don't have the capability. Everything in this list can only be produced by the Spirit of God in and through you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, Temperance against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's, they that are of Christ, they that belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. I'm going to talk to you about what it means to live in the Spirit. Uh, so many of us, uh, and unfortunately even some that have been around a long, long time, are still pretty much going by some kind of formula of Christian life, you know, the the do's with the don'ts, and I got to pray an hour a day, and I got to read a chapter or two of my Bible every day, and if I, I try to do that, and then I'm supposed to do this, and I'm supposed to do that, and, I, and, and, and this is a shall, and this is a shall not, and, and while all of that may be true, and it's certainly necessary for a, uh, a, a, a newborn and uh a young child and maybe even into some degree of adolescence uh, structure is important to children structure is important to children I don't mean structure they impose but structure put in place by parents for children is very important. There needs to be some structure. But there comes a point where I live my life 
it may appear as though I'm living uh, outwardly. It may appear as though I'm living by some structure. But I have progressed beyond structure because it as it is now a part of me. Many years ago uh, in the United Pentecostal Church, some wonderful, wonderful people began to promote an hour a day of prayer. And, the, and there were all kind of methods used to promote that hour a day of prayer, hour a day of prayer. And uh, in the beginning, it was probably a positive thing because people, a lot of people weren't praying very much at all. And so an hour a day of prayer was better than nothing. But over the course of time, in my opinion, the idea that I'm going to pray an hour a day of prayer has become a negative thing. Because if I put in my time, the rest of the day is mine to do with as I choose. The rest of the day. I could just, you know... I prayed my hour today. Now I, I'll just go live my life. And so what it has in unintentionally produced is Christians whose lives are compartmentalized between the secular and the spiritual. I, I go, I do the required spiritual things each day. And then the rest of the time is secular. There's no overlap. There's no connection in life between these two different things. So I live in two separate worlds. And it's kind of, it's kind of been communicated, whether intentionally or mostly unintentionally, that that's really what Christianity is. You, 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 you do your spiritual stuff and then you do the rest. But that is uh, not what the Lord intended. You can't have true life like that. You can't, and verse 25 is a key verse here. You put it back on the screen just so they can read it. Uh, verse 25 is a key verse here because it gives you an idea of what God has planned for us. What His intentions are for us. If we live... In the spirit. And I looked up that word live. In fact, I got a great app now that's, uh, that all I have to do is touch the word in the King James and the strongs and the thayers comes right up so I can read it. And so guess what this Greek word live means? Live. It's the primary verb to live. Literally or figuratively. But Thayer says it means, one meaning is to live, breathe, be among the living, not lifeless, not dead. Number two meaning is to enjoy real life, to have true life and worthy of the name. Active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of God. Number three definition, to live, past life in the manner of the living and acting of mortals or character. Number four definition, living water, having vital power in itself and exerting the same upon the soul. Number five, metaphorically, to be full of vigor, to be fresh, strong, efficient. As an adjective, it's active, powerful, efficacious. To live. Well, 
What part of each day do you live? Now, I'm only using, I don't believe in any of this, but I'm just, you know, are, are you some, I don't know what the fascination in our world today is with vampires and stuff like that. I, it just blows my mind. I mean, really, honestly, what is up with that? But, you know, are you some kind of zombie that, that lays in a casket most of the day and then comes up and wanders around the rest of the part of the day? No. When it comes to living, you expect to live... 24 hours every day. Nobody, nobody here is put into some suspended state of animation for some period of time each day. You really want to be alive when you wake up in the morning. You really want to still be alive when you lay down at night. If you happen to wake up in the middle of the night, you really want to be alive then, don't you? I mean, you, you really want to live because what is the alternative? Hello? You're dead. Now, my question to you is this. If the Lord took, took the natural to use it as an illustration or a metaphor of what He's offering us and wants us to have spiritually, how much of each day Am I supposed to be able to fellowship with God to experience life with God? Hello? What part of each day? For that hour that you pray? For the couple of times a week when you come to church? For those more spiritual that read the Bible a little bit each day? How much of your day do you live? Now, 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 this is, this is really a positive message. The reason you're reacting so negatively right now is because so many of you are very far, very, very, very far from this. Well, I want to make it really simple for you tonight. I, I don't know why. I have no idea all the reasons why my wife has gone through seven and a half months of breast cancer. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why, as her husband, I've had to go through that. I don't know what the, I don't know what that's all about. And if you need God to explain to you why what's happening in your life is going on, you're not going to get an answer to that. He wants you to trust Him. But when it comes to His principles, his patterns, what He's promised, what He's willing to do. He is willing and wants you to understand why. He is more than willing to explain the why when it comes to His principles. He's not going to explain to you the why in your personal life over some specific circumstance because that why is a matter of trust. But when you get into Paul's teachings, do you know what the primary purpose of Paul's teachings were? To explain why. Oh, one of these days, the Lord is going to let me 
teach verse by verse, maybe even word by word, the first eight chapters of the book of Romans. It is, it is the story of righteousness. And it starts out in chapter one telling how far man down, how far down man goes and it works its way through and then begin to, to explain how the Father has brought righteousness and, and that it's a gift to us. And then the last two chapters, especially seven and eight of that, of course there's 15 chapters or 16 chapters, 15, I don't remember, in Romans, but it's the, the book of Romans is divided up. There's three main sections of it, which I don't want to get into simply because my clock is ticking. But the first eight chapters is some of the deepest teachings in the, all of the Word of God. And every bit of it is, in, is an explanation of why. And, uh, and this part of the book of Galatians is a really brief synopsis of a lot of stuff that was going into in great detail in Romans. And so he says, if you live in the Spirit, I'd like for you to keep that verse on the screen. If it, I know it may automatically turn itself off, but just keep it up there. I, I, want, I want them to see that. If I'm not reading something else, please, uh, let's keep that one up there. If we live in the Spirit, let us all walk, also walk in the Spirit. <laughs> if I'm not living, I can't walk. Is that deep? That's deep, isn't it? And a lot of us are trying to walk when we're not living. We're trying to walk with God while we're not alive in Him and with Him all day. But our problem is this. How, brother, right? How? How do we do that? How? how? That seems so hard. <laughs> no, no. Let me tell you something right now. The first time I truly, honestly experienced being crucified with Christ after years of fighting it because I was so afraid that if I, if I let Galatians 2.20, you can put that on the screen, we'll read it real quickly. Uh, if I let Galatians 2.20 be, become a fact in my life, I would become an automaton. That's what the devil told me. This is terrible. It, it was painful and a horrible and a terrible experience. It, I am crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. I'm not living anymore, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The faith of the Son of God is a prepositional phrase of possession. And so I can change the Son of God phrase into a, a, the, the, the possessive of the noun. And it's saying the same thing, but it's a little clear here. The, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the Son of God's faith. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I didn't change the word of God at all. That, that is, those are, you could alternately use the same exact expression. You're saying exactly the same thing. But sometimes it just makes, uh, puts a little more emphasis there. Not by my faith, his faith. And, 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 you know, and I read that, and there's some things in there. Years ago, I remember reading this. There's things in there that's really inviting. And I'm pointing at the back wall because I'm reading it back there. You're reading it here. Okay? So if you look, what's he doing that for? Because it's back there on the wall. 
Okay? I, I, I read this verse, and, and, and there's some really good stuff in there. But the adversary had lied to me for years that, first of all, this was a horrible experience. And, 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 and it would touch, and I would lose my will and, and I'd lose my life and I wouldn't even exist anymore and I'd just be some kind of spiritual automaton. And, and yet at the same time, I'd pray, like I said last night for years, to be possessed by God. I want to be possessed by God, but I didn't know what it meant. This is possessed by God. That's simply what this is. I don't know what it was. Well, let me tell you something. The, in, 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 a, in a time of extreme desperation where I was so hungry, so desperate for something to happen in my life that had not happened yet, I finally just, you know how you just close your eyes and take the plunge. So, oh, well, here it goes. It's going to be horrible, but I don't have any other choice because there's no other alternative right now. I, I've got to do this. It was the most liberating, wonderful experience I've ever had in my life. I got mad. I got mad at myself and mad at the devil for listening to his lies all those years. It was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Because most people live their lives as a slave to themselves. In 99% of all of us, if you don't go to heaven, it won't be the world's fault. It won't be the devil's fault. It won't be somebody else's fault and how they've treated you. If you go to hell, it's going to be because you let your flesh take you there. Your flesh. Because those four in negative influences I talked about last night during grace time, the, the deliberating time, the, the time of reasonings before you ever make a decision, four of those, there are four external negatives. And of course there's my flesh, the voice of people that have influence with me, the, 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 the influence of this world system, culture, society, etc. And then finally the voice of the devil. Three of those are external to me. Three of those are external to me. Only one of those is internal. Only one of those I can't get rid of. I can, by the, by the help of the Lord, I can turn off the voice of people. I can turn off the, the influence of this world. I can turn off the voice of the devil. I can't turn off flesh. I can't get rid of flesh. I, I need it to stay alive for now. So it is my greatest challenge, my greatest adversary. And yet, not really, because I can be crucified with Christ. I get out of the way He lives. I know for a lot of us that does not sound inviting, but trust me, if you ever experience it once, you say, well, isn't it permanent? No. Paul said, I die daily. And, and if you die daily, it's easy. 
if you die a couple of days and live a couple of days, let your flesh and its influence live a couple of days, it's really hard. And every day you go without dying, it, the old flesh gets stronger and stronger in its influence, and then it really gets hard to die again. So we're back to Galatians 5.25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Being a devoted Christian is not living in the Spirit. Dotting the I's and crossing the T's of everything that's expected and avoiding everything that is expected that you not do is not, it's not living. Just because you're able, and you can only do that for a little while, at best. I've had a few hours that I live like that. On, on a few occasions, I've had some whole days I managed to do that. On some even rare occasions, I've gone a couple of days or a week. One period of time, one time, I went two or three months without having any real struggle. In fact, I, I remember the day it all changed. I got up and I was praying and, and I couldn't think of anything to repent for. And I was stupid enough to say it out loud. Lord, I, I can't think of anything I've done I need to repent for. He answered that prayer. He answered that prayer. There, there is a change of, of perspective, of, of understanding of all of this. I'm alive. I've been alive 68 plus years. I'm alive. I've had some good days and some bad days. I've had some hard days and some easy days. I was alive on the hard days and I wasn't any more alive on the easy days. I've had days I was sick, but I wasn't any less alive on the days I was sick than the days I was perfectly well. I had days that nothing was going my way, but I wasn't any less alive on those days and days everything was going my way. Because I was alive. It's a different perspective, folks. It's, it's living in the Spirit so that you can walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? What does that mean? Is there a purpose for a prayer time? Absolutely, 100%, yes. But the problem is, we don't understand the purpose. It's not to get my praying out of the way today. Which is the conscious or subconscious attitude of 99% of people that pray an hour a day. i got to get my praying done today. Maybe you wouldn't say get it out of the way. But that's essentially what you're saying. i got to get my praying done today. i got stuff to do. My, my to-do list is full today. I've got stuff to do. I've got to get my praying done. 
so I can get to my list. I, 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 I'm not trying to be unkind. And, and, you know, there's not a person in this building that hadn't lived that most of their lives, most of their Christian lives. But that, that's not what, that's not what all this is talking about. That's not what this is about. Is there a purpose for prayer? For a prayer time, yes. When should that prayer time be? I don't know. When do you want to start living when you get up each morning? Is that too simple? What, when should I pray when I get up, brother, right? What time? Should I have a set time or what, what? When should I pray? You should pray in the mornings when you're ready to start living. Because if I go about my day and I'm not, I haven't position myself in prayer to live in the spirit all that I, I haven't lived all that time i'm just I'm some suspended state of spiritual some spiritual state of suspended animation I, i'm just i'm just puttering along here there's nothing of value happening no matter how important those things are to me they're just they're just Well, you know, I, I got kids, I got this, I got a schedule. You know what time I'd have to get up to pray? I don't know. The point I'm making to you is I don't know how long that prayer time has to be. I think it varies every day. I'm talking about the beginning of your of living. That 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 focused specific prayer time. I don't know how long that's got to be. There are things to live today so that you can walk in the Spirit today, there are things that have to be accomplished in that prayer time to position you to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. And they have to be accomplished. Some days, I've had days where the, you know, the, see, the flow has really kind of worked all night and I got up in the flow and, and the, the Spirit was there and, and it, it just wasn't, I was, I got up, uh, essentially positioned where I wanted to be positioned after my prayer time. So it didn't take me a long time in that initial positioning prayer. That's what I consider a structured prayer time, a beginning of the day prayer time, a first time in the morning, first time whenever I get up. If you work all night and you get up in the afternoon, then you're starting your day when you get up. Why? Because, I, you know, I, I know I'm probably weird, but have you ever thought about sleep? Sleep. Why did God design me so that I'm, I spend uh, anywhere from a, the average person needs anywhere from about a, a fourth to a third of their day in some kind of almost unconsciousness we call sleep. Where our metab metabolism slows, our blood pressure drops, our 
our heart rate slows and we, we, we go into a, a very relaxed state if you're getting your rest. Some of us don't ever rest because we don't ever get there. But it all slows down. Why would God design me so that approximately a third of my life I spend asleep? When you're 75 years old, you've slept 25 years. Hello? When you're 60, you've slept 20 years. Anybody listening? You know, when, I don't, I don't know how you were, but when I was younger, I needed a lot of sleep. I'd go 99 miles an hour when I was awake, and when I went to sleep, man, eight, ten hours a day, I, I, I needed it or I didn't feel like I was rested. But somewhere around 50, Something changed. I didn't decide to change it. Something changed. Four hours a night? I can live all, all, all the time on four hours a night. Five hours a night? If I go to sleep at 10, I'm awake by 3 or 4. If I go to sleep at 11, I'm awake by 4 or 5. If I go to sleep at midnight, I'm awake by 5 or 6. Just forget it. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care how tired I am. And that's the max. Well, thank God. Because at almost 70, I've slept about 22 years. I don't want to spend a third of the rest of my life asleep. I mean, if I got 12 years left, I don't know, I'm just throwing that out there. Do I really want to sleep four years out of the rest, the, the last 12 years of my life? Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't. I'd rather take a little five minute nap in the afternoon and, and, and sleep four hours a night than to think I'm going to sleep four hours of the last 12 years, four years of the last 12 years of my life. No, I, I, you know, this is the way my poor brain works. I don't count backwards anymore. I'm a year and a half from 70. I'm 11 and a half years from 80. The great, great, great baseball player. I was supposed to be a better man. I didn't know him personally, obviously, but the people that did said that Tony Gwynn was a, just a phenomenal person and one of the greatest baseball players of my lifetime. He died yesterday. 54. 54? I'm 14 years older than him. That's the way your brain works, you see, when you get older. 54. We were out doing a little drive uh, after an appointment here last day or so just to get her out of the house, let her ride around a little bit. And so she wanted to go out to Bay Ridge. We rode around the water, and then we came back through town and rode through the Naval Academy. And for the first time in a long, 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 long time, 
I drove up through the Naval Academy Cemetery. It was right there. We just drove up through there, and I've been through there before. But, and I have a right to be buried out there, but I don't ever plan to use it. Jesus is coming. I, I'm counting on that. But anyway, there was this brand new headstone there. Beautiful headstone for a fourth-class midshipman. That means he was about 18. 18. 18 was 50 years ago. 50 years ago. So this, this is the way my brain works, you see. So I don't understand why the need for this sleep. God's planned it, so be it. You know, when, I, when you're really tired, you appreciate sleep. But when my mind gets to working about how much the rest of my life I'm going to spend out of it, I'm thinking, no, what? Surely there's a way around this somehow. But you get up in the morning, and, and after you've practiced living in the Spirit for a while, and walking in the Spirit is simple once you're living in the Spirit. It's living in the Spirit that's the issue. Once you, once you practice that a while, you get up in the morning, that, that prayer time, that, that, that day starter, that positioning prayer that's necessary to position yourself to live in the Spirit the rest of the day, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That It's that first priority, that, first, that positioning. That's what I like to call it. I, I, I've never said this before publicly, but this is what I've been calling it in my own mind and a few people I've discussed this with. It's a positioning prayer. It is putting me in the place where I can live in the Spirit the rest of the day. It's not getting my prayer done. It's positioning me to walk with God. Because I'm living with Him the rest of the day. What kind of things do I pray in positioning myself? The Lord may give you your own list, but there are certain things that I've learned over the years that are revelations to me that I, that I, I pray as a part of my positioning. Obviously, I want to acknowledge God as my Father every day. That, he's a, that He loves me and that He's in control. And that I can trust Him. I want to acknowledge to Him in positioning myself every day that without Him I can do nothing. In positioning myself every day, I want to submit myself to His Word and Spirit. And I say these things out loud. Father, by Your help and grace, I, I submit myself to Your Word and Your Spirit this day. I submit myself to you. I entrust myself to you. And then I receive Paul's apostolic blessing that he spoke on at the beginning of every one of his writings to the church. Because it's so critical. And I want to start the day with that. And when I do that, my day is different than the days I don't do it. And I say out loud, Father, I receive from you today grace and peace. For this day. And after I say that, if there's anything going on that's troubling me or a problem, 
I spend a, a significant portion of the rest of my positioning prayer casting my cares till my mind and spirit is clear of everything that would be disturbing me. Because the scripture says, let peace rule in your hearts. The scripture says, follow peace. But you can't follow peace and peace can't rule till you have peace. And you can't have peace while you're carrying cares, anxieties, troubles, fears, worries, etc. So I spend a significant portion of my positioning prayer starting my day casting my cares. Like what? What do you care about? What do you care about? Well, this may sound stupid to you, but uh, I follow the Orioles. And the news is this afternoon that Matt Wieters is going to have to have Tommy John surgery on his elbows out for the season. Phew. His bat, his defense, boy, that was really important for the rest of the year. You pray about that? No, I don't pray for Matt Weeders, and I don't mean that negatively. I don't pray for the Orioles. But I don't want that stuck in my heart. I don't want that stuck in my mind. I don't want to spend my day wondering what they're going to do. I don't have any influence over what they're going to do. Am I interested in what they're going to do? Yeah. Are they going to stay with the guys they've got playing catcher? Are they going to, are they going to trade for somebody? Are they going to call somebody up? I don't know. But I don't want to dwell on that. And I use that because it's such a ridiculous example of a care. But it is a care. If I allow that, it would stick in my mind and occasionally come up throughout the day. I don't want that in my mind. I'm a Navy football fan. One of my emails, which you're not welcome to use because I don't use it for whatever, one of my emails is NavyFan68 at, and I'm not going to tell you where. I'm a Navy football fan. Second only in this church to Mike U. He's not a Navy football fan. He really has to pray about cares. <laughs> it would be easy to wonder, well, phew, how are they going to do against Ohio State? First game of the season. Oh, man, you just hope you get out of there with no injury. All those Big Ten brutes out there beating on our little guys, you know. Well, I can't spend all my life worried about that. Is it of interest to me? It's of interest to me, but I don't want it to be a care. When does it become a care? When it sticks in my mind, conscious and subconscious, and comes up. I want peace. I want peace. I want to be able to follow peace. I want peace. You cannot live in the Spirit if you don't practice positioning prayer. You can't. I'm not saying how long it's supposed to be. 
Some days it could be two hours long. Depending on how much cares you've got and whatever, how long it takes you fully true to truly not just say the words, but surrender yourself into the, the, the dominion of God, the authority of God, etc. To truly pray out of you for that moment, uh, the, the, uh, the desire of flesh to be in control, to make its own decision, to run its own life, which is iniquity. When you truly understand iniquity, repentance is really easy. Father, I confess my iniquity and all of its symptom sins. Because every sin is a symptom of iniquity. Because I would not sin if I had not taken control and made my own decision in something. Because every sin is a product of a decision as I taught last night. And therefore... A decision made to sin is a decision made in iniquity, out from under the authority of God. If God says do this and you say, no, you're not telling me what to do, I'm going to do this, that's iniquity. There are other days, there's other parts of that. But these are, these are primarily, I mean, that's not everything, but this is primarily the things I pray when I first get up. Some days I can do that in a few minutes, depending on where I was when I went to bed, how the night's gone. I I know how the night's gone the moment I get up. Because if I get up, and whether I whisper or even say it out loud, thank you, Father. First words out of my mouth usually every morning. Thank you, Father. Most of the time I barely rolled over out of the bed and stood up straight. And it's thank you, Father. If there is a response of the Holy Ghost, I'm in the flow. So positioning is simply reaffirming where I already am. But if I get up and say thank you, Father, and there's no nothing answering, there's some praying to do before I could live in the Spirit today. Well, is that all the praying you do? No, it's a positioning prayer. Because for the rest of the day, you're praying consciously and subconsciously all day long. The Bible says pray without ceasing. But that's not possible unless you're living in the Spirit. And there is a two-way constant communication going on at some level, either subconsciously in your heart or in your mind or both with the Lord all day. And there are times you'll be going along doing whatever, and all of a sudden you, you'll feel something, and you'll feel a need to pray. Maybe you know what it's about, maybe you don't. And you just stop what you're doing at that moment, and you pray, whether it's two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, or whatever, because you're living in the Spirit, and He is in control. And so you do that. And there's constant Flow and communication there. This is not possible for those who have not yet broken through to the place that you can pray in tongues at the moment it's needed without any emotional working up to it. So until you can do that, you can't really do this yet. And I'm not finding fault with that because all of that is part of growing 
growing spiritually. It's all part of growing spiritually. And some of you are going to try to do this and get really frustrated because you're not, you're not there yet. There's some foundational things in your life that the Lord is working on, whether you know it consciously or subconsciously. He's working on those things to get you to the place to live in the Spirit. You can't just get out, climb out of the water and live in the Spirit. It doesn't work. You can't just sign your or give the information for to the greeter after you just spoke in tongues for the first time and suddenly you live in the spirit. Doesn't work. It is a process of the word, the spirit, and you to allow all of that to work in your life to get you to the place where you first can be crucified. Because again, living in the spirit, Galatians two twenty, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh. Now. This isn't talking about heaven. This isn't talking about some now. This is available to me right now. Now, years I wanted that, but wasn't there. Couldn't get there. Didn't understand how to get there. But knew that God had promised it. The life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Trust me. Circumstances are circumstances. And I don't care who you are and how long you've been saved and what kind of walk with God you have. (laughs) There are hard circumstances and there are easy circumstances. And there are circumstances we like and circumstances we don't like. And there are circumstances that are huge and ominous. And there are circumstances that are huge and exciting. All of that, nothing, none of that changes. It's just your perspective of them changes. And your life in the spirit, it, it ceases to be affected By your circumstances. It's the most wonderful life. It's the most wonderful life. It was only 11 years ago that I truly, truly learned how to to have peace all the time. There were times in my life I had peace and times I didn't have peace. But the Lord let this building collapse and it had it meant, it meant a lot of things to a lot of people. It had a lot of different effects on a lot of different people. I'm only talking about how it affected me. I had, to, I had so much grief, so much human grief over the loss of that building. I participated in designing this building. I participated in over, overseeing the bi- the building of it. I I had blood, sweat, and tears invested in this, along with a lot of other people sitting sitting here right now. Not the only one sitting here in this building that grieved over the loss of that that building, and all the memories and all the special times. I don't know what all was happening in that prayer room over there, but I know there were people visiting ministers that would come, and I'd say. Have you ever felt an angel? Well, I'm not really sure. Would you like to feel an angel? Yeah. Come with me. And you walk them down to that prayer room. You walk in that door. 
And you weren't in that prayer room but a few moments. And you knew that place was full of angels. Full of them. It was the most amazing thing. I, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I don't know. I, I, I hope they're still around here someplace, but it's not that easy to feel them all anymore. So there's all kind of stuff we lost over there. And I grieved over that. I had to learn to deal with the loss. And then, to have peace, you have to learn to deal with what you can lose. You have to deal with what you have lost. You have, then you have to deal with what you can lose. When you finally are able to give what you have lost to God, and then give everything you can lose to God in advance, whether you lose it or not, you've already lost it because you've given it to Him. It's all His now. If He lets you keep it for a while or forever... That's his business. It's all his now. When you learn to do that, then you have peace. Then you don't have fear. Then you don't worry. Then you don't go through all of this struggle all your life. That was only 11 years ago. I was 57. At that time, I'd had the Holy Ghost 45 years when I learned that. So I'm saying to you again... For a lot of you, this is, this is going to seem impossible and the Lord's going to let you not dwell on this right now. Because you can't get here. It, it, there's too much foundational stuff left needing to be established in your life for you to live this. But you need to know it's possible. I was a young pastor and an old prophet of God was here preaching. And he said to me, Brother Wright, there will be a day that you will communicate with God. All day long. You'll be talking to him all day and he'll be talking to you all day. Well, it was probably 40 years, no, 30 years before that I ever experienced that. Just like that. But you know what? I never forgot he said that that was going to happen one day. That that was possible. I never forgot that. And there were days I was wondering, how do you get there? How do you ever get to that? But it happened. I didn't get me there. The Lord did, and He did a lot of stuff in my life, a bunch of it painful, to get there. Because, you know, I appreciate pain medication. I honestly do. I really honestly do. And I realize there are some folks that are in constant pain. And so uh, medical professionals learned a lot about pain management. And, and I appreciate that. I, I really honestly do. Uh, a good friend of mine who's a pastor in this district had had, had a, some major surgery on his back with all kind of me, uh, metal stuff put in there. Just a, It's a long story, whatever. But while it was supposed to have taken away his pain, it didn't. So... Several months ago, they put a little electric box underneath his skin with wires running down both legs. And electrical stimulus goes down his legs and cancels out the pain. And so he's finally able to function without pain most of the time. And, and, and you put a little charger up against the skin and it recharges that, that device in there. And, and it lasts for 10 years and then he has to have it replaced, whatever. But he is now... Mostly pain-free. 
I'm thank God for all of that. Because let me tell you something. Pain is a pain. It's a pain. It's so disruptive to life and difficulty. But all of that being said, most of the time, pain is your friend. And you don't want to kill, kill that pain off. Because pain teaches you stuff that no pain never can. If I got a headache and I take some something, whatever, Advil or whatever, Tylenol, whatever, and five hours, six hours later and, and the, the medicine's worn off, the pain's gone, I don't have any reason to give any thought to the pain in my head. But if I'm living off Tylenol because of a pain in my head and I haven't gone, seen, gone to the doctor, <laughs> make sure your will's in order. Recurring pain is supposed to send you a message. So when the Lord allows pain in our lives, it's to teach us things. Not because He doesn't love us. I've said this so many times. Mom and dads are different. One of the boys when they were little could fall down and get hurt. She wants to run in there and scoop them up and pat them and kiss them. And, oh, baby, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Oh, it's all right. Dad says, what's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> yeah, suck it up. Get off the ground. What's your problem? His little one is tough. He is tough. My son's anniversaries are one day apart. David and Angie's anniversaries are May 23rd, and Joel and Kate's May the 24th, and we didn't know they were setting us up. So they both can go out of town, and we keep all the kids. So we had all the kids. And we're out on the patio playing wiffle ball, and I'm pitching, and Timothy's batting, and Noah's standing probably 40 feet away, 50 feet away. And of course, Timothy's a big boy, and he's been playing. Uh, he's been playing baseball. Man, he hit one on a line, on a line. Hit Noah right in the leg. He goes, "Ouch!" <laughs> Walks a little bit and rubs it and goes, "Ouch!" <laughs> Not oh, but ouch. Good job, boy. That's a good job. It hurt. You know, you knew you were hurt. We knew you were hurt. But you didn't fall apart and act like some sissy baby. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Ouch! <laughs> I'm so proud of that kid. That had to hurt. I mean, it was hit hard. But he, no, he sucked it right up, boy. Yes, sir. Pain. Our Father allows pain for His children for good. How long you want pain to continue? It's really up to you. How long does it take you to learn the lesson pain's trying to teach you? 
Hello. That's what the Lord's trying to do. He's trying to teach us that. So there's a lot of stuff that God is working in your life that seems like isolated, independent things, one of another. But you don't understand, these are all pieces that God is bringing about in your life that He is putting together because there will be a day He wants you truly to be able to walk in His Spirit. I will say this to you. If I had understood all of this stuff earlier, I might have been able to give an end to it. Surrendered to it. But I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. It seems like it's my calling in life to learn the stuff that nobody's ever taught me. And then I get to teach it to somebody else and they get to learn it without having to pay the same price. Well, okay. If that's his will, so be it. But trust me, I don't know if he made the duck story up, which he is more than capable of doing. <laughs> My wife said, said to somebody the other day, all that drama stuff, that's not new. He lay in the bed when he was little, five, and just make all kind of stories up like that. Just, he was always doing that. You sure heard him play one of the original baseball games on a, a computer game and be the announcer at the same time. Gosh, I'm so upset with myself. I didn't record that without him knowing. It would have been, it would have been worth having. I don't know if he just made the duck story up or not. But the Lord was, was speaking to me. And you know what I've just told you tonight? Hey, brother and sister ducks. You were created to fly. You may not understand how to fly right now. You may not see the way to fly. You might feel better walking around, paddling around, waddling around. <clears throat> ducks waddle. Not real graceful. Or swimming around. But ultimately, you were created to fly. That's what the message I've given you tonight. You were created to fly. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, somehow in Jesus' name, I pray that the Holy Ghost, the grace of God, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, would not let you settle for waddling when you're designed, created to fly. It may be that it's the will of God for you to waddle right now or even paddle. It may be that for right now in your life, it's the will of God for you to waddle around or paddle. But you were given wings. You may not know how to use them yet, but you were born with wings that He wants to teach you how to use because you were born and created and designed to fly, to live in the Spirit, 
not not so you can have goosebumps, not so you can just talk in tongues once in a while, but to live in a place of fellowship with God, of communion with Him all day long, every day, where you're you're flowing with Him and He's flowing with you, and you're one together. You're created for that. Come on, just another moment or two. I'm done. Come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, help us. Don't let us settle, Father. Don't let us settle for waddling or paddling when you created us to fly. In the name of Jesus. 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 If you won't give up on God, He won't give up on you. Oh, come on. You may be struggling today. You may be difficult. Things may be really difficult. Life may be very difficult. You may not see any any light at the end of your tunnel. But there is a light there. Just don't give up on God. And He won't give up on you. God will not give up on us until we force Him to. No matter how low we get. No matter how difficult it gets. No matter how much the struggle is the struggle. No matter how low it feels like you've gone. If you won't give up on God, He's not going to give up on you. Come on, another another moment or two here, please. Please let the Word of God plant this, this, this seed deep into your heart. Deep into the ground of your heart. Come on. Come on, let the, let the, let the Spirit of God put that, that seed deep into the soil of your heart so that it can grow and produce fruit in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When you leave this place, you may waddle out of here. You may paddle out of here. But in Jesus' name, I don't want you to forget. You were created and it's God's intention to teach you how to fly. That's the plan. That's the purpose. Right now it may seem like you wouldn't know the voice of God if He used a megaphone. Don't give up. Don't give up. There will be a day that you and the Spirit of God will fellowship 24-7. Just don't give up. Don't give up. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 One of the most powerful phrases of the Bible is, This too shall pass. It came to pass. It will come to pass. This too will pass. But wring every bit of good out of your current situation, even if it feels only bad. Wring every bit of good out of it that you can. Learn everything you can. Grow every bit you can with that situation. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you, I don't want you to do this with clapping. I know we normally do and that's fine, but right now I don't. Could you just raise your hand and your heart and give him gratitude, real thanks 
for what he has said to you personally, for what he has put in your spirit personally? Can, can you speak with, with genuine thanksgiving of what he has done for you? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I don't care how far you feel like you are from what, what's been taught here tonight. God is no respecter of persons. And every person in this building that's been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, this is God's place that He's designed you for. To live in His Spirit and to walk in His Spirit with Him. It's His plan for you. It's His purpose for you. He wants that kind of fellowship with you. In the name of Jesus. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord bless you. Uh, if you were not here last night and have not watched last night's message, uh, that was part one. This is really part two. Uh, it would really do you uh, a great benefit to listen to part one. Part one is a lot more readily applicable to most of you right now than part two is for most of us. So part two is what you can do right now. And understand right now, and part two is where that can take you if you're not there. God bless you. Drive, be safe. Jesus' name.